1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five stocks hovering just below record highs as the Senate makes headway on the $1 trillion infrastructure deal. Much more and a vote expected today. It's all the buzzwords. AMC embracing meme stock mania giving retail investors a rare platform after reporting its latest numbers and tipping its hat to Bitcoin along the way. COVID still getting the headlines, but is there a new health threat looming? One hitting kids? We're going to talk more about it this morning. A big deal for Barstool, as one sport is in talks with the company about streaming live games on its platform. And say it ain't so, they're anxious in the Hamptons as the bubbling appears to be running on empty. Uh-oh. It is Tuesday, August 10th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Much more on all of those stories ahead But right now, let us get to the markets and your money and how things are setting up on this Tuesday. And we're not seeing a big move in the futures market. This after stocks did fall overall fractionally on Monday. We're seeing a mixed trade. Dow futures down a touch. NASDAQ futures up a touch. But let's get right to crypto. Because crypto has been the hottest market of all in the last couple of days and weeks. Ethereum up another 5% on Monday. And up again right now, six-tenths of 1%. And watch Bitcoin. It broke back above its 200-day moving average. Could be, could be a very positive technical sign. Certainly something to keep an eye on with Bitcoin at over 46,000. Ethereum at 3,168. Oil also back up this morning. It had a terrible session yesterday. It fell a number of percent. But we are up again right now to 6791 A lot of concerns about China, demand, oil buying, as well as a rising U.S. dollar hit WTI yesterday. But a bit of a bounce back right now. Crude oil is up 2% to just under 68 bucks. All right. That's what's happening here. Let's find out what's happening around the world. Trading in Europe is underway. Let's get the trade. Some of your top stories there with Juliana Tadelbaum in London. Good morning, Juliana.
2: Good morning, Brian. Well, here in Europe, we're off to a fairly muted start. Generally, European equity markets are trading higher, but we have come off the absolute highs of the morning. So as you can see here, green for the majority of regions, uh, the UK being the exception, the FTSE 100 currently trading down just about 0.1 percent. So nothing major. Of course, August, a typically slow month for European trade with many um, investors, traders on holiday. But worth noting that we did see some outperformance in Europe yesterday, relative to the U.S. The main benchmark, the stock 600 inched about 0.15 percent higher in yesterday's session. Turning to sectors, uh, this is what the split looks like this morning. The majority of sectors are trading higher. Travel and leisure, the key outperformer this morning, bouncing back after some underperformance yesterday, up 1.2 percent. On the downside, banks, autos and basic resources and retail, the only sectors trading below the flat line. A few key corporate stories in focus this morning. Let me turn your attention to them now. SoftBank has posted a 39 percent fall in first quarter net profit, but the group's tech investment Vision Fund posted a profit of over $2 billion. On China, SoftBank CEO said he wants to wait and see what impact China's regulatory action will have on the stock market, and once that becomes clear, they will resume active investment in the country. So some interesting comments there. Meanwhile, HelloFresh, Germany's meal kit delivery company, saw its revenues jump 1.6 billion euros in the second quarter as year-on-year growth in its core U.S. market rose by 61 percent. And in the travel space, IHG Hotels and Resorts has returned to profit in the first half. The owner of the Holiday Inn brand also scrapped its dividend as it looks to cut costs. So those are the key corporate stories in focus this morning in Europe. Brian, we'll hand it back over to you.
1: All right, Julia, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We will see you tomorrow morning. All right, right now, let's get some of this morning's other top stories, including potentially a big new bid for a train company, and maybe the ultimate win for one Mr. Dave Portnoy and Barstool. Bertha Coombs is here now with those. Bertha, what do we have happening on this Tuesday morning?
3: Well, good morning, Brian. Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren is adding his voice to the growing number of central bankers, saying that the Fed should begin to dial back its extraordinary support for the U.S. economy by this fall. Speaking with the Associated Press, Rosengren says the bank should announce that it will begin reducing its $120 billion bond purchases in September. Meantime, Canadian Pacific is reportedly planning to make a new boosted offer for Kansas City Southern, reigniting a takeover battle with rival Canadian National Railway. According to the Wall Street Journal, Canadian Pacific's board of directors met yesterday to authorize a new bid that values KSU at near $300 a share, or about $27 billion. But the journal adds there's no guarantee Canadian Pacific will follow through with that bid. And the New York Post is reporting Major League Baseball is speaking with Barstool Sports about moving nat- or having national midweek games streamed on the site's platforms with a part potentially creating a new type of broadcast with a focus on in-game gambling. According to the report, the talks started relatively recently, and an agreement is not a certainty. The MLB currently has national TV deals with Fox Turner and Disney's ESPN. Brian, I got to think that if you were Pete Rose, you're kind of scratching your head at that news.
1: I mean, it really is amazing. We've kind of seen how this is going to go. Sports betting is legal in so many states. This intersection of media and gambling in-game stuff. I mean, it was hard not to see how it's going to come. But you're right. I mean, one Mr. Pete Rose has got to be just like, really? Reinstate me.
3: Yeah, if you don't know who Pete Rose is, <laughs> if you're too young, Google it, kids. He was uh, He's one of those people who, at this point, never will enter the Baseball Hall of Fame because of gambling obligations.
1: Yeah, correct. And, uh, by the way, I'm looking here at the standard standings here. You're a Red Sox fan, I believe. You're four games out of the top. <laughs> Tampa Bay. It's, you're still in it, at least. We're at the Coombs. We'll see in a few minutes. yeah. Hey, you've won a bunch in the last few years. See An Angels, man. We haven't done anything. Worth it. Thank you. All right, meantime, let's switch gears. Big news on Capitol Hill as the Senate prepares to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure package. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer locking in a deal to hold a final vote at 11 a.m. Eastern time today. Vote needs a simple majority to pass, and it is expected to get that and maybe a few more, as 19 Republicans already joined all 50 Democrats in voting for support of the bill. And with Senator Lindsey Graham's now return to the Senate floor today, that number could tick higher by one. By the way, progress on the Hill only matched by the lack of it when it comes to the fight against COVID. Let's get more on both of this with NBC's Tracy Potts in D.C. Good morning, Tracy.
4: Hi there, Brian. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So this Delta variant is really making things worse, not better. The U.S. now hitting new milestones in some areas, critically short on resources to deal with it. COVID cases hit a new high, 36 million rising in every state. Florida hit a daily record for the third time in a week. It's overwhelming our staff. In hospitals, critical care beds are running short. In Houston, only six available this week. In a city of 2 million people. Estefani Lopez, 11-month-old daughter, had to be airlifted 150 miles away. It was just very, very overwhelming, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Experience The Pentagon will require COVID vaccines for service members by mid-September. In a statement, President Biden said he strongly supports the move to ensure force readiness. Some Republicans disagree. The federal government ought to get the living daylights out of her life and stop telling us how to lead our lives. Florida's governor has banned mask mandates.
5: There will be no restrictions and no mandates in the state of Florida.
4: <laughs> but as schools reopen today. We have one ask wear a mask. Some districts are requiring them anyway, and there's new concern about COVID cases among children, up 84 percent last week. And doctors say some of those kids were otherwise healthy. Meantime, Brian, here on Capitol Hill, uh, as the Senate takes up infrastructure, they will immediately after that take up this three and a half trillion, what Democrats call human infrastructure bill on health and education and the environment. The House said to take up both when they come back next month.
1: Tracy Potts, NDC. Tracy, thank you very much. Good morning. Appreciate it. All right. there is a lot more to do on this busy Tuesday. When we come back, we're going to lay out the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to the latest round of earnings. Plus, a leading New York City doctor who says shaming people into getting vaccinated is the exact wrong approach and why it may disproportionately hurt communities of color. And later on, As more companies shelve or delay returns to the office plans, we'll get a closer look at the health of the hybrid workforce. The CEO of Avaya will join us with what the workforce this fall may really look like. Stick around. What does it
6: mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close? Or travel somewhere far away. At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash
0: find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50, so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older
1: All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. Three key stock stories to watch right now. Let's go. Stock number one, the real real. The consignment company posting a wider second quarter loss, revenue missing forecast, but its gross merchandise volume nearly doubled. And the real real has restarted at-home appointments. And check this out. Units per appointment now exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Still, investors didn't like it. Stock is down 6%. Stock number two, another reopening play, Planet Fitness shares they are lower even as the chain swung to a profit in the second quarter on an increase in new memberships. The company expects to open 75 to 100 new stores this year and is accelerating plans to expand in Mexico. And stock three, Chegg, the maker of textbooks and online learning materials, reporting better than expected second quarter results. Chegg also projecting full-year revenue guidance that tops analyst estimates, Chegg, of 3.5%. So let's kind of stay right there and talk about returning to work and the new American workforce. Work from home, work from the office, really work from anywhere because Avaya wants to make it all possible. And joining us now in a first on CNBC interview with some insight into what that hybrid workplace ultimately may look like is Jim Cherico. He is president and CEO of Avaya. And the leading cloud collaboration platforms in the world. Jim, it's good to have you back on. You had third quarter numbers, five consecutive quarters of increased year over year revenue growth. So congrats on that. Uh, you are kind of one of the, the, the sort of the, the work from anywhere p- true plays out there. What are you seeing? What is your sales force selling that can give us an insight into how things may look over the next six to 12 months?
5: yeah sure first of all good morning brian thanks for having me back on really appreciate it when you look into the numbers we uh, obviously posted yesterday strong results exceeding street expectations and more importantly we raised guidance so first really grateful for the via global team for delivering the results a few things happened this past quarter first of all we're executing on our strategy really for growth for the company as you pointed out five consecutive uh quarters of year-on-year revenue growth We're also moving a significant amount of our revenues to cloud and SaaS, while at the same time remaining very profitable. But if you take a look at demand, you know, we're seeing increased demand pretty much across every one of our large business segments. We're the world's leader in large enterprises for for software and contact center. Um, And uh, we're really helping our customers guide themselves through their digital transformation journey. Probably the most important metric is ARR. We're up 275% year-on-year on on, uh, annual recurring revenues. And as you pointed out, that's really led by this new, what I call, adjusted hybrid work model. Uh, We're continuing to see an acceleration uh, of our uh, customers really focusing on the capability to provide the experiences for their employees from a, a work from anywhere model. We're seeing an increased reliance on our technology, and we're seeing that shift from CapEx to OpEx, which is really moving our, our business forward. So we're quite excited about what we've accomplished, but more importantly, the opportunities in front of us.
1: Well, I mean, it is, it's, it's, you know, a year ago, Jim, we were talking about people never going back to the office. Now we see articles that CEOs really want their people back to the office. And by the way, our RBI, a little bit later on in the show, we'll talk about what cities are actually going back to the office. What do you think it's going to look like in a year? Will it be 100% back to pre-COVID the way it was? How How is the workforce
5: of the, the near future anyway, Jim, going to look? Yeah. You know I, um, I I spent a lot of time with a number of our customer CEOs, and in fact, we did a survey of our 300 largest customers and And right down to each and every one, no one believes we'll ever go back to where we were, say 18 months or so ago. Uh, at the same time, I, I do believe there'll be uh, a hybrid model, and they all believe there'll be a hybrid model whereby the folks will be in the office uh, when and if they're they're needed. And the capabilities that we're providing to our customer base, around, you know, this move to work from anywhere is permanent. And you're seeing what was, you know, uh, technologies, I'll say, that were emerging 18 months ago. are front and center and driving a significant amount of revenues. And it is for us in our cloud and SaaS models. So, no, I don't think we'll ever go back to where we were 18 months ago. Uh, But I do think we'll start to see more of a, a hybrid work environment.
1: Yeah, and you're making a deal too. CT integrations, buying a, uh, a calling integration center. What does that mean? What does that deal give us as far as clues to the direction of your own company? And and by the way, Jim, speaking of that, maybe some of VIA employees are watching this interview or listening to the podcast. What's your own workforce going to be doing this fall?
5: Uh, we're all uh, working from home. Our technology enables us to do that. We were, for all intents and purposes, a hybrid model even before the, the, the pandemic. So we have the capability and technology in order to, in order to do that. Um, but that CT integrations is a, actually a, a pretty unique uh, acquisition for us. What it is, is it's an opportunity for us to accelerate our move to cloud. They have some pretty unique digital capabilities to really drive to the next uh, sort of technology, the next generation. And that's all around what I'll call a composable enterprise, really focusing on how our customers can deliver a better customer experience for for their customers and what this acquisition allows us to do. In the old days when you would do a software upgrade, you would have a very complex, very heavy one-time implementation that would take months. What we're able to do now with our software, with our advancements in our, in our CCAS and, and, and UCAS public cloud offers, is we're able to take that and do it now, if you will, department by department, faster, simpler, much more efficient. And what the CT integration acquisition allows us from a digital capability, really focusing on that customer experience, is allows us to do that more efficient, faster and flexible than our competition. So it's a pretty significant acquisition.
1: Jim Chirico of Avaya. Jim, we appreciate you coming on nice and early. It's, it's a hybrid model, right? I mean, <laughs> but the hybrid model is at 5.15 a.m. But Jim, we do appreciate it very much Insight into the work from uh, the future office. Jim, thanks. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Brian. All right. You're welcome. All right. So much left to do on this busy Tuesday on deck. Box office Bitcoin, a legendary supercar maybe coming back, but as a hybrid And Netflix apparently wants you to do a casting call. Your top trending stories ahead.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.
7: Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Francis Rivera with your news headlines this morning. Breaking overnight, hundreds of residents forced out of their homes after a condo was deemed unsafe by the city of Miami. It happened at 5050 Northwest 7th Street. That's right across from Miami International Airport. This comes just six weeks after the Surfside collapse claimed the lives of 98 people. City officials posted this notice on the building, forcing the residents to scramble last minute. The condo has 137 units. City officials are working to help relocate those residents. Severe storms canceled more than 300 flights at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport as thunderstorms capable of producing a tornado barreled toward the area. According to the Chicago Department of Aviation, a ground stop was issued at the airport. Several tornadoes reportedly touching down outside the city. One twister even caught on camera in Burlington, Illinois. According to the New York Post, there is a champagne shortage hitting the Hamptons. The owner of one social club told the Post, demand has been higher this year with more people there hitting the beach and labor shortages affecting supply during the pandemic. Brian, so some people are having to resort to have to fly in their own bubbles on a private plane, mind you, cases of them, mind you to get their fix. If not, what a travesty, you have to resort to some cava or, or Prosecco there in the Hamptons.
1: I, I, I mean, it's, it's the end of days. Yeah. It is the end of days having to drive in your own champagne in the Hamptons and labor shortages. By the way, <laughs> all we hear when we hear about labor shortages, pay them more. You know, you think in the Hamptons, they might be able to afford to do that. What do you think, Francis?
7: Well, that's what I do. I mean, if you go private for the cases, 15 cases, I think that report said, for a private party. All this weekend after weekend, or even during the week, until Tumbleweed Tuesday, when everybody blazes out. But with COVID, who knows? They might be staying out there.
1: Everybody's been, unfortunately, I mean, everybody's been hitting the bottle, it feels like. And uh, what do they call rosé? In the Ham- Hamptons Gatorade? Yeah, Hamptons I think it's what somebody Gatorade.
7: said. Yeah, that's pretty much Francis, it. Francis, thank you said, very much. Yeah, take care. No, go ahead. Oh, the governor said, you know, the champagne in the Hamptons, not having it is like Maine without lobsters in the summer. So there
1: you go. Oh, I know. Well, how do they, how do they take a bath? Uh, yeah, Francis, you know, thank you. Tough life. All right. Outside of champagne wishes and caviar dreams, let's stay on some interesting headlines as well and hit today's top trending stories, which include maybe you, all of you out there, auditioning for your favorite Netflix show, a new hybrid supercar, maybe, and what Bitcoin and Black Widow may soon have in common. It's like a giant mystery. Let's unravel it. Bertha Coombs is back now with those. Bertha, I hope that your supply of champagne is solidified.
3: Yeah, yeah, my champagne is just fine, Brian. I've I've got one right now in the the fridge almost, or at least next to it. If you've ever wanted to be on a Netflix reality show, the streaming service says now's the time. It's unveiled a new site called NetflixReality.com where people can submit a one-minute video to audition for a number of its popular shows, including Queer Eye, Love is Blind, and floor is lava. Netflix says, show off your fabulous self, no ring light, no glam. You must be at least 18 years old and a resident of the U.S., Canada, U.K., or Ireland. Meantime, Lamborghini is bringing back its famous Countach nameplate, and it might be a hybrid. This year is the 50th anniversary of the iconic supercar, and the company has put out a teaser video showing a wedge-shaped model. The car is expected to be unveiled during Monterey Car Week in the next Several days. And your large popcorn and jumbo soda comes out to be just a small fraction of Bitcoin. AMC's CEO says the movie theater chain will start accepting the cryptocurrency as payment for tickets and concessions, likely by the end of the year. He also says IT staffers are writing the code so that you can also use Apple Pay and Google Pay at some point. I didn't know that Apple Pay and Google Pay were quite as advanced and esoteric as Bitcoin. It's kind of strange that he would lump them all together.
1: Why would anybody pay for I know we call it a cryptocurrency, and generally I don't. Uh, I try not to. Why would anybody pay for anything with Bitcoin or any other crypto? I mean, you could end up wildly over or underpaying. I, I have no idea why it's accepted. I, I, I like crypto. I'm just saying it's not a currency.
3: Well, you know, if you've got a lot of uh, liquidity, you've got a lot of it and want to use it, I guess, or, you know, there are those believers who just feel like that's what they want. They don't want to use fiat currency.
1: Oh, fair. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you bought Bitcoin cheap and you made a bunch of money, absolutely sell it and and, and buy a new Lamborghini with it. I just mean, like, if I were to use (laughs) it to buy a car and then Bitcoin were worth 60,000 again in six months, you know...
3: There's, you can buy a Lamborghini. You see what I'm saying? The wild you could fly champagne, to wherever why. you want.
1: It's anywhere you want to be. I, wait a minute. I think that was American Express or MasterCard. Bertha, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, <laughs> coming up next, we are going to hit housing and why a key shortage in one part of the housing market may have one company very happy. We'll talk about it and introduce you to them next. Will the everything rally keep rolling today? Crypto up again as the Senate seeks to solidify that $1 trillion roads, rails, and bridges spending bill today. COVID concerns though, remaining on the forefront of Wall Street and Washington's radar. This is rising cases of another respiratory illness among kids, creating new challenges for medical professionals. And your morning RBI is about returning to the office in the cities where people are back and where people are still staying home. We'll show you the list all ahead on Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome or welcome back everybody and good Tuesday morning. Hope you're having a great start or end of your day depending on where in the world you might be. Here's how your money and investments look As we are about halfway through the 5 a.m. hour, we are seeing not a big move in stock futures. A mixed trade right now. Dow futures down 13 points. Nasdaq, though, up 19. Flip a coin. The way the market goes today, really, anybody's guess. All right. In the meantime, let's get more of this morning's top stories. What else is actually happening, including that big vote on infrastructure and shares of one retail trader favorite taking back off Bertha who solidified her champagne storage in the commercial break, is now back with details on this. Bertha, good to see you. It's been a while.
3: Yeah, (laughs) thanks, Brian. So the Senate is poised to approve that more than $1 trillion infrastructure package this morning. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says lawmakers there will begin voting on the legislation around 11 a.m. The bill is expected to pass, with 19 Republicans joining the chamber's 50 Democrats supporting the plan, marking a rare display of GOP support for one of President Biden's initiatives. Once approved, the infrastructure plan then heads to the House, where it faces less certain path. Meantime, shares of AMC are on the rise this morning after the company posted a narrower than expected loss for the second quarter. While CEO Adam Aaron says AMC still has challenges ahead, he says it could post a profit as soon as the fourth quarter of if the domestic box office surpasses $5 billion. And in a departure from the norm, Aaron took questions from nearly a dozen retail investors during the company's earnings call, including on whether it would ever join forces with fellow retail favorite GameStop to bring gaming to entertainment, gaming entertainment rather to AMC theaters. We're on the case, he said. Aaron will have more on the state of his company coming up on Squawk on the Street in the first on CNBC interview. And most workers on Wall Street could see big jumps in bonuses this year. That, according to a report from compensation consulting firm Johnson Associates, bonuses could increase by double digits compared to last year. The report adds that investment bankers are set to take home their biggest bonuses in around a decade due to an unprecedented surge in deal-making this year. Brian, all those IPOs, all those SPACs, it has been a very busy year. Back to you.
1: If you know anybody in in investment banking, in private equity, an attorney or anything like that, they're literally just printing money and almost turning away business because the deal environment, thanks to ultra low rates and a lot of cash, is just red hot. Bertha, thank you. All right, now to the latest in the fight against COVID. CDC warning Americans again against traveling to seven more countries over outbreak concerns. Those include France, Israel, Iceland, and Thailand. In the meantime, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announcing new moves to fight rising case numbers there, including asking hospitals to once again delay elective procedures to free up space for COVID patients. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis is threatening to withhold the salaries of school officials who require students to wear a mask. Cases, though, also now on the rise in the Northeast. They're up about 500 percent in New Jersey over just the last month. But there is some positive news out there, and we always try to bring it to you. For those vaccinated, the mortality rate on so-called breakthrough cases is just 0.001%, and hospitalizations, 0.003%. So how do we get more vaccinated? Your next guest says we may be doing it all wrong. Joining us now is Dr. Nevia Nampia Parampal, associate professor at NYU School of Medicine she is also a, currently a candidate running for New York City's public advocate, Debbie. Uh, good to have you back on CNBC. Uh, right now, it appears that not everywhere, but the way, and primarily, I'm talking about social media, not not sort of big media, if you will, to get people vaccinated is kind of shame them. I mean, that's you know making them feel uh, dumb, like they did something wrong. Uh, it's their health, and I and I'm, I've been fully vaccinated for months. I'm just saying. You believe there is a better way, particularly in communities of color, to get people vaccinated even now. What would you do?
6: Well, I think that we need to focus more on encouraging people, answering their questions more, getting the FDA approval, and then having these more lengthy discussions with the medical community one-on-one with doctors. I think the way we're going about it isn't exactly right. And this is happening even in big media, not just social media. So... These punishments, like let's say in New York City, for example, with the mandates, I don't think people necessarily understand what's involved in a mandate. So it's more than encouragement. It's actually that people can lose their jobs if they don't get vaccinated and they try to report to work or that people can potentially be arrested if they try to show up in social settings and don't leave if they're unvaccinated. So when you consider, for example, in New York City that, you know, by percentage, a lot of these people who are unvaccinated are minorities, then then that's even more concerning. It could potentially be considered, considered discriminatory. So in those communities, you know, there may be, again, this long history of mistrust of the government. So if we want to build back trust, we have to do that in small steps not necessarily take actions that might worsen that feeling of mistrust. Because who are you going to call in these situations? Are you going to call the police to enforce this? Uh, You know, I don't think the police are going to want to come. So then who does it fall on? The small business owners to enforce it? I mean, we already have problems where the International Auto Show, for example, has canceled its show. Now, that might be, for example, because of the variant itself, the Delta variant, but it could also be because of some of these strategies that we're taking here. I mean, the medical community can talk to people one-on-one, but in that case, people have to come forward and then talk to the doctors. But if they feel stigmatized, like the medical community may be against them, or there's nothing available to them besides the vaccine and the masks, then they might not come forward. But we actually have antibody treatments. There are other things available that can help people if they come in early enough that can actually speed up and speed up the uh, the resolution of the virus potentially and maybe keep them out of the hospital and keep them out of the ICU.
1: It's a good point, because shaming people into the never doing what they should be doing is a losing strategy on so many levels. And to your point, if you mandate certain things, can't go here, can't go there. For those who maybe there are some people that just can't do it for medical reasons, They're going to be cast out. I want to talk about something else, doctor, because we just did a report earlier in the show about kids in COVID, and it's a real risk, but we know that kids generally are going to be fine. There is something new. It's not new, but it's out there. It's called RSV. I can't pronounce it, by the way. It's a respiratory virus. It tends to come. It's kind of like the flu comes every year. It disappeared last year in part because of, according to the CDC, our mitigation techniques, it's come roaring back and earlier. What can you tell, there's some parents watching right now, them about RSV, their kids and what to look for because a lot of kids are going to the hospital, not for COVID, but for RSV and other flu-like illnesses right now.
6: Exactly, so RSV looks like the common cold. So for a lot of kids, it'll be totally fine. It won't put them in the hospital, but for medically fragile children, also for adults, it can actually put you in the hospital or in the ICU. So by looking at children, you can't tell the difference between that and COVID necessarily. But if your children have any cold-like symptoms, it's actually better not to take them to the pediatrician because RSV can spread, it's very contagious, perhaps more so than COVID. So what you wanna do if they have mild symptoms is call the pediatrician and ask what to do. So in certain places, the pediatrician may tell you to stay home and guide you at home so that other kids don't catch it in the waiting area or common areas. Now, if your child is sick, short of breath, or if they're having high fevers, then you may want to go to the ER because you don't want it to get worse. The idea here is it's a balance between also you know, keeping uh, medically fragile kids from getting sick when they go to the pediatrician for something else. So we want to keep the ICU safe, but of course, you want to keep your own kid safe as well. So it's a balance because right now in certain ICUs, The children who are there, it's not just from COVID. It's from a lot of these viruses that were held at bay surging back. So whether it's RSV or parainfluenza, there's a lot of viruses that were under control previously that are surging back.
1: Yeah, particularly among the very young with kids And I posted on my Twitter, some of the charts from CDCs and hospitals about the rise in RSV and others. Dr. Debbie Nampia Parampal. Debbie, it's a pleasure to have you back on again. Thank you very much. Nice to see
6: you. Thank you.
1: All right, good to see you as well. We're going to take a short break. Dow Futures off 23. We got a lot more to do. We'll talk housing right after this. Stick around. All right, welcome back. Let's talk housing because one thing is pretty clear. There is a huge shortage of new homes being built across America. Demand is up, and the need for many new homes is huge, which is where your next guest comes in. James Hardy Industries, the world's number one producer of high-performance fiber cement and fiber gypsum-building products, basically exterior walls for homes. Joining us down on a Worldwide Exchange exclusive is Jack Trong. He is the CEO of James Hardy Industries. By the way, just released their first quarter results after the close, raising their full-year profit forecast along the way. And by the way, the stock only up 60% in the past 12 months. Jack, it's good to have you on CNBC and Worldwide Exchange. How strong is demand for your building products right now?
8: Uh, Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having me on on the show. Uh, Right now, the demand for our products is very, very very strong, not only in the US, but also in uh, Western Europe and uh, Australia, New New Zealand, and the Philippines.
1: Is there any sign of that abating? You've got on a unique window into looking out because people buy your stuff because they want to build a home down the road. You are, I think would be fair to say, a leading indicator. So what is your crystal ball telling you, (laughs) Jack? Um, that's correct, Brian.
8: You know, we, we're exposed both to the new construction market and, and the repair and remodeling. And uh, what we see across uh, the world right now is you know, there's a strong demand for new, new homes as well as due, to to COVID effect that more and more homeowners uh, would like to do, to remodel their homes, uh, it's really about making their homes, uh, is really essentially their castle and what uh, they want to, to make it look nicer, more uh, aesthetically pleasing, and then also have uh, more, more room, particularly for a home office. Uh, and, and certainly at the same time, there is also a lot more um, exposure to um, having a more sustainable products during, during the, uh, construction. So we do see a, a, a really a lot of growth potential for, 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 for homes uh, within the next short to midterm, at least.
1: Well, in, this, in, the, in the States, your name may not be as known. Builders know it, but our viewers may not. But they might know one of your biggest competitors, Louisiana Pacific. And all we hear about and read about in analyst reports on you guys is that some of your competitors, I won't name names, are having <laughs> shortages of critical materials. It, it's hard to get the raw materials to build the stuff they need and that you guys may have access to more of those raw materials so you don't have to deal with the shortages. Can you address sort of that thesis as to why you may be more uh, well positioned.
8: Uh, yes, uh, Brian. So we, uh, our manufacturing strategy has always been to locate our manufacturing facility closest to our market, and at the same time also closest to our strategic suppliers. And uh, for example, over 82% of our raw materials source within 100 miles of our uh, manufacturing plants. And, uh, and we also make and shift products from our plants to our customer within um, 500 miles, um, about two-thirds of what we produce are shipped to our customers within 500 miles of our plants. So it's really have a more sustainable supply chain, more localized um, raw materials, and also with uh, short shipping distance to our uh, customers and where we actually build homes. Um, so that has really been a, a, a really good strategy that helps us uh, during the, uh, the COVID effect that where the world has been short of supply, we are actually um, are, are yeah. a- able to supply the markets.
1: And I hate to be myopic and focus on America, Jack, but we've got, what, 85 million millennials, the oldest of which are in their early 40s, starting to create families, move out of cities, even post-COVID sort of crazy demand for housing. Do you see almost a generational uh, push for home building and home buying, given just the demographic wave that we've got in the United States?
8: Absolutely, Brian. I think there is that big group of millennials that's actually in the marketplace right now for homes because their families start to grow. But also there's, there's another key factor that really affects uh the strong demand for ha- housing is that if you look at the last decade um we we essentially in the u.s uh have built less home during the past decade uh, roughly a third than, uh, in, than in the previous five decades. So, so what, what you have is a, it's a big boom of so the millennials are now in the marketplace for homes. At the same time, during the past decade, we uh, essentially built uh, one third less home than the previous five decades. So when you add those two together, mm-hmm. along with low interest rates, it, it's just a formula for a really strong demand and robust demand for housing, in particularly hey, in the read United read States. Really
1: robust- Yeah, really robust pricing as well, not only for homes, but maybe your products. Jack Trung, CEO of James Hardy Industries. Stock's been red hot. Jack, we appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. All right, on deck, we're going to wrap it up. Kate Battis is back, and she's going to lay out some of the stocks that she is eyeing right now, plus your morning RBI and why returning to the office may depend a lot on where you live. Oh, and by the way, a programming note, be sure to tune into the new season of The Profit. Marcus is back, working with struggling entrepreneurs who need help rebooting, resetting their business. 10 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time, only on CNBC. We're back right after this. Time now for your morning RBI. And this morning, it's about work and back to the office, because Having been recently in both New York City and San Francisco, it was still striking to see just how empty nearly all the big office buildings still are. Midtown Manhattan and the financial districts of San Francisco are, for lack of a better term, ghost towns. But what about all the other big American cities? Are their workers back in the office? Well, it depends, like so much with COVID responses, on where you live. But the trend overall is actually negative. According to Castle Systems, which tracks people swiping their security cards to get into buildings, eight of 10 big cities actually saw a slight drop in occupancy overall in May. Occupancy rates in just 10 cities are 34.3%. But look at that chart. The average doesn't tell the tale because it's very different in different places. The big three of Texas, Houston, Dallas, Austin, they've got about half or more than half of their people back in an office building. Of course, we'll see if the recent COVID surge changes that. Well, look at the very bottom. New York City, San Francisco, and San Jose, California, still have fewer than 25% of workers back in an office. San Francisco is actually just near one in five workers back in a building. Now, Castle does expect those numbers to rise. With the rise of new cases among the unvaccinated, back to the office may end up on the back burner random but interesting well let's stick with real estate of a different kind because it's the focus one of your next guest stock picks joining us now is kate faddis grace capital founder and ceo Uh, this is about as far away from back to the office as you can get i've never heard of this company but if you go to a state where cannabis is legal you see lines out the door or, or drive up shops with cars industrial commercial real estate for cannabis. The company is?
9: IIPR, Brian. Thank you for having me this morning. And I think it's one you should learn about. So here's the thing. Cannabis is legal in 12 states, but it's illegal federally. So this means that a lot of banks, a lot of companies don't want to deal with cannabis companies. Now, if you do deal with one, you're not coming into, uh, they're not paying for their bills with $100 bills and uh, brown paper bags. Okay, you can still use a banking system, but the regulations are onerous. So IIPR has created a niche for itself, understanding these regulations, getting around them, working with them. So they buy the property on behalf of the companies and they, they do a sale lease back. It's a REIT, it's a real estate company, it's a 2.45% yield. Cannabis is a $20 billion industry growing. 5 10% a year expected to be 25 billion in a few years. So this is one we think it's great. What we like about it is that it's a secular growth story. And I've got some other ideas for you.
1: Yeah, I saw one of them here because we know that people bought one of three things during COVID, Kate. They bought a house, they bought a car, or they bought a pet, or maybe they bought all three of the of the above. This may be the first time an Idaho company is recommended on Worldwide Exchange. Tell us about Pet IQ.
9: Okay, pet IQ is another one. Now, pet IQ is, you know, it's a little damaged. The stock is down by 30% in the last month or so because they missed uh, earnings, they missed their numbers. But this is another secular growth story that we like because we've got some trends going on. During COVID, pet ownership increased, I believe 20%. 60% of American households own pets now. You got the trends of pet humanization. Pets are coming into our homes. They're living longer, they need more medicine, they're getting diabetes, they're getting some of the problems we're getting, and people want to take care of their pets. So medications used to be sold in vet yep. vet clinics. Now people want to go into the grocery store, they're Kroger, they want to buy their uh, their pets. So this is another one we yep. think is a winner, long-term, long-term.
1: It's a different fat cat play in, in a different way. Kate Faddis of Grace Capital Pet IQ, And Industrial Cannabis Real Estate, always a pleasure, Kate, to have you on. Thank you very much. That wraps it up here for us on Worldwide Exchange. I'm off tomorrow. See you Thursday. Squawk is next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only
0: on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.